The reading this morning is from Acts, chapter 11, beginning at verse 19 through to the end. The Church in Antioch. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Holy Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. This is the word of the Lord. As I studied it, but I want to share something from my personal experience. I've had to cut that right down. And instead of speaking about the passage, I've just picked out three main lessons from it. Then I want to share my experience of church outside the box. And then at the end, just a few words what I really believe God's saying to us in this time of change. So those are the three points that I'm going through. Shall we just pray? Father, we do pray that you will speak to each one of our hearts. May we be truly open. Lord, whatever stage we're at with you, we pray that you will take us on to the next stage. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the subject is church outside the box. And first of all, three lessons from the passage that's just been read. So I hope you can remember what the passage was about. The first thing I want to point out is that God is sovereign. And when the devil attacks, he can use that very situation for his purposes. Because what happened, the Christians were being persecuted in Jerusalem Because of the persecution, they were all scattered. And whereas the devil meant to end the church there, that was the end of this spreading the gospel, instead, God turned it on its head, and in fact, the message got out much further afield, even to the Gentiles. That was God's purpose, 
So what the devil tried to do, God used for something far, far greater. And we need to hold on to this in our own lives. When the devil has a go at us, let's believe God can turn it on its head and actually use that situation for us, our blessing, and for his glory. Another thing we find in that passage that there's no such thing as a hopeless situation. The city of Corinth was absolutely corrupt. It was known for its immorality, for its loose morals. And yet that was the city where people believed in the Lord and where the church sprang up. And in fact, you could call the New Testament the tale of two cities, Jerusalem and Antioch, because Antioch became the centre of Christianity. It wasn't a hopeless situation. God can work anywhere and in anyone. Nobody's a lost cause. There may be some of us who are praying for people and think they'll never believe. Nobody's a lost cause. There's no such thing as a hopeless situation. In Jerusalem, the church leaders did all the preaching. But once the believers were scattered, they started sharing Jesus with neighbours and, and people around them. And because they were faithfully witnessing, the Spirit was drawing people to Jesus. Now, I've just recently had an MP3 player. always said I would never, ever have one, because I love silence. But in fact, I've put some beautiful songs on it and some classical music as well. And I've put a number of Don Francisco songs on and one of them has a very catchy chorus. And it's, I've got to tell somebody, got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. Got to tell somebody, got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. And I go around the house with this in my mind, got to tell somebody, got to tell somebody. And it, God's writing it on my heart, I've got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. We've got to pass on the message. We have something wonderful and we need to share it with others. And so get that there as well. We've got to tell somebody what Jesus has done for us. So from that passage, we see God's sovereignty. The devil is a defeated foe. Let's believe it. God's grace. He can reach anyone, anywhere. And our responsibility. We need to do the sharing. So how does this tie up with my experience of church outside the box? Well, in 1995, we moved to Wigan. I don't know if any of you know Wigan, but there's a main road that runs through it. The church is one side of the main road, and an estate called Worsley Hall is the other side. And nobody wanted to go to Worsley Hall. There were drugs there, criminals, great deprivation. It was the lowest of the low. And the people in the church felt that if anyone from Worsley Hall wanted to come, they should cross the main road and come into the church. And they didn't really show any interest in the people there. It's up, up to them. They concentrated on the rest of the parish. And Christmas 1995, we'd been there a few months, and people were taking out Christmas invitations. And David and I looked at the table with the invitations, and everything had gone except Worsley Hall. 
the whole of Worsley Hall was still there. There were hundreds, hundreds of streets in Worsley Hall. Nobody had taken any out. So I said to David, I'm going to take them. So I took these hundreds of invitations and I started walking around street after street, house after house. And as I walked around, I had an overwhelming longing to share with the people there what God had given me. And I remember praying and saying, you've given me such treasure, Lord. I want to give it to these people. There's such a burning desire in my heart. And when I got back after delivering all these, I talked with someone else and found that she had been called to serve Worsley Hall some years before and was just waiting to see what God wanted to do. David said, perhaps he wants to plant a church there. So the two of us got together with another person who was a real prayer. She always sought God. And the three of us got together to see what God wanted to do. And we felt he was saying, yes, you're to plant a church there. Now, we'd never done anything like that before. We hadn't a clue, not a clue. We weren't clever, we weren't talented, we weren't gifted, we hadn't a lot of knowledge, but we had this burning passion to take Jesus to Worsley Hall. So God said, start off with prayer. For months, just pray. Don't do anything but pray. So we gave out prayer letters to people in the church, uh, we went on prayer walks round the estate and we bathed the whole thing in prayer. had prayer meetings where we came together and we sought God and we prayed for the people there. And that was for some months before God told us to do anything else. Then we formed a team. There were a team of eight of us with God as the leader, and very much the leader, because the ones that joined us still weren't gifted or talented. They didn't know what to do. None of us knew what to do. We all had to look to God. And I remember one of our team meetings, I sat and I looked around, and I said, what a motley crew. Only God could plant this church. Because none of us were young. We had nothing, but we had God. And we were listening to him and looking to him. So after some months, we moved onto the estate. And we started knocking at doors. We handed out questionnaires to find out if anyone had any spiritual interest, what they thought of the church, what they thought of God. We gave out tracts and we talked with people about Jesus. And we started getting some responses. But there were long, long periods when nothing seemed to be happening. And we thought, I don't know how we're going to build this church. It's never going to happen. Months went on, month after month. And I've learned something, and this came from Charles Spurgeon. When you can't discern his hand, trust his heart. And for months we didn't see God doing anything spectacular but we trusted him. He'd called us there. He's faithful. He would do it. We didn't know how, but we we believed that he would do it. And after some time, we got permission to use the community centre right in the heart of this estate. And we started to run alpha courses. Now, we did what I would never normally recommend, what I call cold calling. We prayed over which streets to go to, and we knocked on doors, and we invited people to the Alpha course. 
And we didn't have hundreds coming, but we had enough to start a course, and then enough for another course, and then we had another course. People came just by being asked. And some came to more than one course. They wanted to know more and more. We started home groups. And then we started monthly services. And that's some of the people in this newly formed church. This is in the community centre. And you'll see the different nationalities there. We had uh, Nigerian families coming in. In fact, one of the girls came to visit us here a few months ago. And the Nigerian families are still there. And there's a young lad from Arania as well. We were getting all sorts in from the estate. Unlike the church in Antioch, we didn't need anyone to come and investigate. If you remember, they sent Barnabas to investigate what's going on. We didn't need to because David was the vicar and God had put this vision in his heart in the first place. So it was all all right, all authentic. And in the year 2000, Easter 2000, the church was launched by the bishop and we started meeting every week. Just under two years ago, David and I went back for the 10th anniversary and the church is still going strong. It was built on a foundation of prayer, God's word, love for each other, and trusting God for everything. When we started, the, the main church, the mother church, thought it would cost them something, that we'd be coming to them for money. Instead of us going to them for money, we started giving them gifts. There was no one wealthy in the church, but God just provided everything we needed. And when we were last there, we heard that the church had given a printer to the main church. God has always provided for us because we've trusted him totally right from the beginning. Never had financial problems. We didn't see hundreds converted as they did in Antioch. But there are some similarities in that we met in a secular building and in people's homes. And we attracted people who would never normally have gone to an established church. We didn't have clergy there, although now the person who leads it is an OLM. But it was just ordinary people meeting together. I looked at the web a few weeks ago while I was preparing this, and I put up Bramble House Community Centre, not church, the Community Centre. And I found a list of activities that they put out from the centre. Pensioners' lunches. Cake decoration, Bible studies, credit union, church meetings, all there under their sort of blurb, this is what we offer to the people. It all mixed in together. We, when we were there, David and I used to go along perhaps to one of their breakfasts or their lunches. We used to chat to the people in, in the credit union and they used to come see what was happening with us. Some of our team joined the committee for the, the community centre and it was all woven in together by God because we were all there to serve the people of the community and the people who weren't Christians respected what we were doing and saw that it was valuable. As in Antioch, it started with a handful of ordinary people called by God with fire in our hearts 
and a love for the people on that estate. And God built his church there. This is church outside the box. An ordinary building, ordinary services. We don't have to keep to the Anglican services. Although we are named as an established church now. I've looked in the church literature and they call it an established church. But it started outside the box. People who loved each other and loved the people of the estate meeting together to worship, to learn, to share. Is this something God is calling us to do? Perhaps starting in the school, in the memorial hall? Or is he calling us to have teams to go out to struggling churches, to take life out there, to stay for a period of time, and then as they, people take over and more people come in, we can come back again. We don't really know what's on God's heart. But we need to be listening. Every single one of us needs to be listening to discern what he's saying, to feed that back to the leaders in the church so that we can know what his will is for Christ church. We've been thinking a lot about change lately and I'm sure some of you feel quite unsettled because I find it unsettling, especially when you don't know what the changes are. You're told there's change coming, and you're all churned up, and you don't know what those changes are. I wonder if you've heard about the two caterpillars who were walking along, talking to each other, and a butterfly flew overhead. And one caterpillar said to the other, you'd never get me up in one of those. (laughs) Now, sometimes... We don't reach our potential because we're scared of what it'll mean. And so we stay like caterpillars on the ground when we should be up there. We're so scared of change. In Job 16, Job says, I was at ease and he shattered me. Why does God do that? When we're at ease, enjoying life, everything's wonderful, why does God choose to shatter us? Why does he shake us up? Change is God's way of moving us on. He doesn't want to be in a rut. He doesn't want to be like those caterpillars. He wants us to move on with him. There are many verses in the Bible about believers flying like an eagle. God wants us to fly. Now, there may be some here that have flown with God. In in years gone by, you've known what it was to step out in faith, to move on with God. But sometimes we become like a bird that's flown into a barn and found a ledge and settled there. And God comes along like the farmer to shake, shake us off the ledge. But we're happy on the ledge and there's grain in the barn and we can stay there forever. But the farmer won't let the bird stay there. And it keeps knocking it off the ledge until it's exhausted and is able to get out of the doorway and fly again. And there may be some like that that are happy on the ledge. You've done your bit, you've flown with God, you've done everything he wanted you to, now you're happy on the ledge. But God doesn't want any of us to stay there. I remember Tim saying last week, we need to get off our ledge and move For some, it will mean stepping right outside our comfort zone, 
doing something perhaps we've never done before. I mean, I was terrified when I was in Worsley Hall because I didn't know what I was doing. I was supposed to be leading the team and I hadn't a clue, not a clue. And it's scary. And for some of us, it may mean that. God's saying, you're going to go out. You're going to do something totally different. But for others, it may mean just going deeper with God, finding a new place with God. I would love to be on a team going out. I was saying this to David the other day. I won't tell you what he said. But I would love to go out there. But being realistic, I haven't the energy now. I couldn't do it now. And I may be one of the ones that's going to be here praying for those who go out, supporting them, encouraging them. God needs those as well, not just those who go out, but those who stay and pray. But we're all meant to be involved. We should all be moving on with God, even if our outward circumstances remain the same. So think of those two illustrations the caterpillars crawling on the floor or a butterfly. Think of sitting on a ledge in a barn or going out into freedom, soaring in the heavenlies with God. And that may be an inward thing, moving on with God inwardly. That's the challenge for each one of us. Do we want to stay where we are or do we want to move on? Will we risk what it costs to move on with God? What's our response? Amen.